What do you think of the purple? I love the purple. I enjoy it. Should we welcome people? Let's do it. Hey, welcome to the Atrium, a weekly podcast from Hope Christian Church. I'm Jared, creative arts pastor at Hope Christian Church. This is... Neil. Oh, hi, Neil. Lead pastor of Hope Christian Church. Yeah, you are. Uh, also in Avon, Ohio. Last week, you started saying something to me right before recording the podcast, yeah. and I said, wait, no, that's a great conversation. Let's wait till we record, and then we hit record, and that conversation exited from my entire sense of consciousness. Yeah. What, so I, what was it? You asked me a question. I was, well, what I was going to talk about was uh, nothing of great significance or importance. Important it was just, sometimes I feel like I want to give give people tips on things, like some advice <clears throat> on things that are outside of Scripture. Sure. And so I had started saying, um, have you ever been out with somebody mm. and you're going to lunch, dinner, yeah. breakfast, any one of the three meals, Yeah. and you are going out with them and you're getting ready to order, Yeah. and they say something along the lines of, get whatever you want, it's on me. And let's say you knew you were going to, what's your favorite restaurant? Oh man, it, it depends on what I'm in the mood for. For breakfast, it used to be First Watch before they went through all their rebranding and stuff. Okay. And now they're just kind of, uh, I don't know. Okay. So I'd say First Watch 10 years ago. Let's go First Watch 10 years ago. You're going for breakfast. Yes. You know that it's on your calendar. Yes. So you've already decided what you're going to get. I know exactly what I get. A absolutely. Yeah. Most people do. They look ahead, the menu, the whole thing. But yep. now you've got somebody that has said, hey, it's on me. Mm. Do you still feel the freedom to truly order what you want? Especially at a place like First Watch. Let's say you want to get one of those, um, one of them, their fancy juices. They oh, have. dude, the morning meditation. Yeah. Mm. There's a cost to that. Yeah. And then maybe you get the pancakes and you want some extra potatoes or whatever it is. Sure. But now you know that they're wanting to pay and pick up the, yeah. the bill. Would you would you still feel the freedom to order whatever I you wanted? I think somewhere like that where I I basically have my order already, I'd just do it. You would do it. Okay. Yeah, cuz it's it it feels like I've been here a couple times. I well not more than a couple times. Like I know what I want. To me it's like this person is stepping into my arena. Yeah. You know, so they better be prepared. Okay. But <laughs> It's different if you like are out to dinner somewhere, you've no idea what's on the menu. Okay. And then they announce that they're gonna take care of the bill. That changes the psychology I find it for gives me, me completely. Yeah, great hesitation. Yeah. Uh so what what I was gonna talk about, yeah, just amongst brothers yeah. before the podcast was I I think it would be helpful for people to if they want to pick up that bill, they don't they don't tell people in advance. Yeah. You That's just, good. You do it at the end. That's the, great. The the potential pitfall of that yeah. is when that check gets laid down. Yep. Then you've got the well, I'll call it the family feud, mm. where it's the buzzer. Yeah. Whoever can get to the buzzer first. Yeah. So, and then if you don't reach, well, there's always that. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So yeah. that. As I had stated earlier, nothing of great significance. No, but it's still important to talk about. It's something we all face in life. Yeah. It's a situation we're all going to be faced with. Hopefully, unless you're with, or you spend time with a lot of really ungenerous people, then maybe maybe no one's going to offer to buy your meal. Potentially. That, that could happen. But it's all, it's more for like, if I'm, if I'm feeling that, you know, 
desire to pick up. Right. How do you best go? How about do you best it? go That's about good. go about That's that? Good. Personally, for me, if I'm in that situation as the as the receiver, mm. what I'll normally do is I'll find out what they're going to be eating, look at the price on the menu of what that item is, and then find something a little comparable. Below that. Yeah, yeah, comparable. Right. You know, the worst though is when they're like, ah, I'm not really all that hungry. I, I'm just going to eat a little bit. And you're like, but get whatever you want. I'm like, can't do that. Dude, what? Are you kidding right. me? Yeah. Why would you do that to me? What about the under order on pizza? What do you mean by that? So people have you over to the house mm-hmm. or maybe you have people over to the house. Sure. And you got six people coming over. Mm-hmm. You order two large pizzas. Yeah. That's maybe, interesting. Maybe three. Yeah. You, you under order sure. pizza. And then there's that dance where the last two slices of pizza just sit there because mm. nobody wants to, yeah. you know, be the one to yep. finish or polish off. Yeah. Or what if <laughs> this has happened to me before, where we'll have people over, family, most in most you know cases, families coming over, yeah, and everybody's got their pizza order. At the end of the day, I don't, I'm not too, I don't really care about pizza toppings, mm-hmm. but I think my favorite pizza topping is pepperoni and sausage. Yeah, that's it. Wow, just pepperoni and sausage, very simple. So I order a pepperoni and sausage pizza. Go around the room ahead mm-hmm. of time and say, "Does what does everybody want?" Yeah, and someone say, "Oh, like I'll I just want a cheese pizza." Yeah, and you get a few people that want cheese pizza, and right. so you you order the cheese pizza, the pepperoni, and you order enough yeah. for the people that are in the room. Yeah, and it happened one time where my family was over, and as you know, host, I'm running around and you know, still trying to take care of kids and all that sort of sort of stuff. And so I get to the point where it's my, my turn to eat some pizza. Yeah. I try to make sure that Rachel, you know, can, can eat first. Mm-hmm. And I go to open up the sausage and, and pepperoni pizza and it's, it's all but gone. Mm. And then I look around and I see on uh, some plates, piles of sausage <gasps> on the side. Oh, Neil. <laughs> where I'm so where sorry. Where they had wanted the cheese pizza oh. or, or just the plain pepperoni right. pizza. But they decided to just grab whatever was closest, and they decided to defile, yeah. defile your waste pizza. all that sausage. That's terrible. Yeah. Now these are very first world problems. It is. Yeah, we it live. In, we are That's incredibly true. spoiled. We are specifically yeah. you. So just well, just <laughs> I'd agree. <laughs> I'd agree. Kidding. I'm just kidding. That's yeah, that, that's tough. That that little light just dinged down underneath the sign so i'm a little distracted in my brain anyways i've got some, don't mess with no d- d- yeah, 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 we'll nice. see that holds <laughs> if you're if you're listening right now uh there's a sign with some leds and one of the and i'm trying to make it brighter week by week the adhesive is not it, it's compromised i used some gaff tape on it too so Did you? okay yeah we're, we're struggling it's just really, really dense strip of LED light. Anyway, so moving on. Well, before we jump into our questions today, I have a couple questions for you. To in our segment, you. meet and greet. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That was part of the McDonald's. Yeah, it was. I, I stopped know, short because I don't want to pay the... You just outed yourself. Well, you, I don't want to pay the fee. to that and you're... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now if we're going to have to pay that, to license that. <laughs> now I got to license that. It's going to be our... <laughs> so I'm just going to... It's going to be like 10 years of our... Church-wide budget. I would assume. <laughs> All right. Question number one mm. for you, Neil. What is, is your current phone background? <laughs> My current phone background? Yeah. Well, I will show you. It is this guy right here. Oh, hi, Henry. It's Henry sitting at That's a table. Great. 
and uh, sun's shining in just perfectly. His hair's done. He looks very handsome. That's great. Yeah, and that is both. And then my that's my lock screen. Yeah, and then it's just uh, what do you just, know? Well, your favorite color, black. Yeah, black with the chicken other and rice. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Which I had for lunch today. I know. I smelled and it. And you had? Uh, what do you think I had? Some type of mac and cheese that was easy. It was maybe it was an easy mac. Very. It was not difficult mac. Why? Why do you do that? Because it's what I find in my lunchbox when I open it. Okay. Yeah. So is, I didn't know if it was a preferred flavor no, it's of just, yours or it's just, just the ease of It's just how quick like and, yeah, yeah, I'm not one that, I mean, if we have leftovers of yeah. something, I'm going to want those leftovers. Yeah. But on the days that we don't have any specific leftovers, it's just like, just. I like that you eat leftovers. I know I know there are people that, that don't eat leftovers. That's pretty much all I so, eat. So much food gets better the more time it spends together in the fridge, you know? Yeah, there's there's that sweet spot. Yeah. And then I mean, I'm not talking about 30 days and then in it's the fridge. Dangerous. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying like a day or two. You can age steak. You can't <laughs> age right. lasagna. Have you seen that where they dip like an entire <laughs> chunk of meat in like butter and it's just this aged? No. Yeah, so they'll dip it in a vat of melted butter. Where did you see this? In many you, places. You not do? in person, online. It's a way of aging meat where... You basically encase it. Yeah, you encase it in butter. (laughs) Right. And then you refrigerate it for like 30, 45 days or whatever. And then you cut all the butter off and then you cook the meat. How do you figure out you can do that? I don't know. I wonder that about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, so anyways. Okay. Those are great phone backgrounds. Mine right now. Yeah. What is my phone? There it is. Yeah. I've got, I've got Addison. She's so cute. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. You took that photo. I did. Yeah. Actually on my phone. Where's uh, is Judah anywhere on there? He is on underneath our. He's in my heart. Is that where? <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I need to change something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is gonna. <laughs> I love that boy. <laughs> this is part of the reason Rachel and I have had one child. <laughs> we thought it was what the Lord. I only have wanted. one phone. <laughs> That's well. I mean, how do you split the time? Who know. gets the lock screen? Or That's right. No screen time for Judah. He didn't know. He so. has a ton of screen time. All the pictures that Sarah sends oh, yeah. me, I just yeah. sit there for hours of my day looking at it. Whatever you when I should be working. Whatever you need just to kidding. tell yourself. <laughs> okay, question two. <laughs> yes, if you could see one movie again for the first time, what would it be? And oh why? my goodness! Isn't that gracious. a great question? Well, it's an interesting question based on what I'm going to preach on this this coming week. Oh yeah, week, that's TV right. Movies. So you have to be careful what you I say. I almost like to plead the fifth on this until I can explain further. So let me go. Let me go with. Why don't you play it easy, and then next week you can play it tough. That's what I'll do. Okay. So if I could see any movie again for the first time, it would be the Disney version, cartoon version of Robin Hood. Really? Robin Hood's a fox. When I was yeah. a kid, that I absolutely loved that movie. Yeah. And I've seen it, even as adult. Yeah. I, I love that movie. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. There was something about it. It um. It so happened that after I watched it, I was like, I need a bow and an arrow. Of and course. So I asked my parents, Can I have a bow and arrow? And they were like, We don't we don't want you to have that. Yeah. And so I kept asking. Mm. And eventually I got one. Yeah. And but it was not an arrow that had an arrowhead on it. Mm. It was just a, an arrow that was completely flat on the end. And so what I did is I rode around um, the neighborhood. And dragged this arrow behind my bike and sharpened it on the concrete. So fantastic. Well, it didn't end up well. What happened? I was in the backyard trying to shoot this bow and arrow at a tree. And 
hit the neighbor's cat. <gasps> real, Did you really? Real story. Like hit it really good. In like, the hind quarter. Oh. Yeah. Didn't cat's fine. It's gone now. I mean, this is 30 years ago. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was gone for other reasons. No. Like maybe no, no, no. you killed it with an arrow. Did not. No, hit the, <laughs> hit, hit the leg and it, wow. it lodged in the leg. <gasps> No, it didn't. It did. So did you just sneak over, yoink it out, and go on your merry way? No. I went over and picked up the cat. I was crying because oh, I, I love animals, and yeah, I just totally. felt horrible. I would never know. Yeah. And so I didn't know what else to do but to, and I'm, I think I'm probably eight. Oh, dude. Point. I'm young. young. I'm very, yeah. very young. And so I scooped the cat up, and the, cat's in, <laughs> the cat is in shock Yeah, because it, it probably, I mean, this is the neighbor's cat. They let it outside. It was an indoor, outdoor cat. Yeah. And the neighbor Doris. And so, and this was in a trailer park. So we lived in a trailer park in Elyria. And so the, you know, houses were kind of close. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, I'll just scoop the cat. I scooped the cat up and then I rang Doris's doorbell. Oh, man. And then just laid the cat down <gasps> and ran away. Oh. Yeah, because at, at eight, I was just so terrified to get in trouble. Right. So, Doris, if you're listening. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. I later confessed. I did. Did you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I had a very <laughs> tender heart as a kid. Yeah. It has since gotten very hard and jaded. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was overly sensitive, but I just felt bad. Like, wow. I felt so guilty that I eventually fessed up yeah. um, to that. Yeah, and then what do you know? That bow and arrow disappeared. Well, I, so, that's sh- a shock. Yeah, I'd like to edit all of this out. No, I'm kidding. we're gonna keep it. <laughs> this is the power of meet and greet. It These is questions that seem so benign. Yeah, when you dive down deep inside them, there's accidental. There's a lot of yeah, stuff. Accidental. Going on. Well, all right. Last question. This is pretty simple. Would you rather lose all of your money or all of your photos? Oh, all of my money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because you can. Always earn more right. money. Sure. But you can't get those photos no. photos back. And what I mean by that is not physical, cop- like they're gone for a digital, right. nothing. Oh, yeah. 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 So money really cool. yeah, money yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, I don't have much to lose there, but <laughs> when it comes to photos, it's, <laughs> yeah. It, you know. <laughs> well, particularly, yeah, because of what you you do. Yeah. You, you're, would we call it a side hustle? Is that all right to say? So. Yeah. A hobby, side hustle. Yeah. yeah. Great. You're good at it. Thanks, man. Yeah. I'd like to see a picture of Judah one day. Yeah. I've got lots of pictures. Okay. Of oh, dude. I've got great photos. That Can I yeah. ask you one question? Yes, I would love to. What's for your that. favorite cookie? My favorite cookie. Yeah. Ooh, that's Just good. Favorite cookie. Can it be uh, like seasonal? Yeah. Okay. I've got one that's not a cookie, but it's still seasonal and it's related to cookies because you make them at the same time as cookies. But my favorite cookie, dude, I really like those snowball things that's like the... Yeah, like Christmas. powdered yeah. sugar, and it's got like the nuts inside. Really? I really like those. You those don't find really that you're immediately dehydrated after you eat one of those? No. Wow. It's really good. If if you want to know my everyday cookie, which that makes me sound like I have cookies that I eat every day. That's not the case. I mean like- <laughs> My daily cookie. <laughs> my daily cookie, one a day. Like a daily driver. <laughs> <laughs> Time for my vitamin. Right. Um, <laughs> my Flintstone cookies. No, uh, my like a go-to, I just really like chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Oh, good. I lied. Oh my gosh. How could I do this? No, my favorite cookie, my favorite like non-seasonal cookie- I, I see. I don't know what to believe. Is chocolate. No. <laughs> Is the chocolate no bake oatmeal cookies? Okay, dude, those things. Oh, man, 
Those are so it good. It seems like that cookie's impacted you. It has. But it was buried in your head. You, you, I mean, you're you're talking about it's a love that dry I'm powdered hiding. Christmas yeah. cookie. No, no, that's a good that's my favorite seasonal. Okay, just seasonal. The chocolate oatmeal okay. you know, no bake is not no, a seasonal. I, I've never had that. Yeah, you don't bake it, hence the name. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a no bake cookie. You're gonna want to set the oven at 350, and don't use it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just turn it on and then immediately turn it off. That's right. Right, and just yell no uh, bake, dude. It's so good. Okay. Yeah, you've had those before, right? A no bake cookie, it's just a blob of chocolate oatmeal looking stuff in a round. Oh, I don't think I have. Oh no, meal. Yeah. Oh, is it man. a? Is it a mix that you can buy from the store? Or you got to do it yourself. You probably. Could. It's a very simple recipe. Super simple. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. Maybe I'll make some for you. I would like that. And then you can try one. And I would I'll like to the eat rest them, of them on the podcast. <laughs> on the podcast? In the microphone. We should. <laughs> yeah, everyone will love that. That's good. Our listeners will immediately disappear. <laughs> yes. So anyways. Well. All right. Well, this past Sunday, you preached on dating. Yeah. And uh, it was good. It was great. It's, you know, I, I think it's one of those topics. And I think you and me, we, we talked about it beforehand, like last week about it, just over our lunches at one point, I think. Mm-hmm. And the easy it's mac and chicken and rice. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. Let's switch. <laughs> I'm good. I want to see what you're dealing with. Okay. And Some I want to watch you struggle through my lunch. <laughs> I probably would. I've told Sarah, she's like, what do you want to eat? I'm like, I, you don't understand. I literally do not care. Yeah. If good. I have a specific craving, I'll tell you. But for the most part, if you put something in front of me, like, dude, I'm the, I'm the guy who for a snack will eat grape nuts. The cereal. Okay. It's literally just dog food. I think you overproduce saliva because it seems like you can <laughs> handle food a lot of that gravel. the majority of people would choke on. Uh, I was born with a turkey's nuts? gizzard. So, so my, <laughs> I don't know what that my means. My body can filter out the... It's, isn't that the, the organ in a in a chicken that I, like I will... I thought I had clearly established a couple of like, weeks ago. I don't know much about animals. <laughs> There's no point in doing this if you are this not going to listen. This is the worst. Can because... we expect other people to listen if you want to listen? <laughs> I don't know. You want okay. me to understand the mechanics of a turkey? An- another opportunity for someone to correct me if I'm wrong. If you're a farmer or something and you know this, I don't know why I think I know this. I don't know. You know I don't our, know why I think sure I know this. I don't think I know this. Turkey farming audience. Okay, will listen. Love this. <laughs> We've got a large to all of our mid Ohio Amish uh, listeners. <laughs> no, okay. This. So I think that I know this, and I don't know why. But the okay. gizzard is the part of the poultry animal, the bird that will because they peck and stuff, and they'll pick up gravel and kind of stuff that okay. you're not supposed to eat. Yeah, it takes care of that stuff. Okay, I don't know if it digests it or just collects it, and they like. I don't know if they like get rid of it separately. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's up with that. Like I don't you know. know. <laughs> All you turkey farmers out there. So dating. Please write in. Dating. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That, that's our topic, and that's why. <laughs> that's why we have some questions related to. The, oh, good this lord. Is, this is. <laughs> this is what I'm hearing. Oh. So dating is similar in kind of like that smoking arena where I knew it wasn't gonna. It wasn't going to necessarily hit everybody because not everybody's dating right or trying to date i was truly surprised at that uh, statistic from the bureau of labor statistics that you know 50 percent, basically 50 percent of americans are single yeah uh, adults <clears throat> is what they count and so the way that they they quantified that and qualified that was that 
if you are not married, then you're single. It doesn't matter if you've been dating somebody for 10 years, you're still considered single. So when I was kind of going back and forth to trying to figure out what gray areas we should talk about, because there's more gray areas than what we're covering in this series. And there may be a great series 2.0 that comes about in a, in a little while, in a few years. But I thought, you know, is this a topic that is going to be relevant to to our people on a Sunday morning? Certainly relevant to a student ministry, certainly relevant to even our kids' ministry to a certain extent, you know, the older kids, the fifth and sixth grade, when they start to, you know, become interested romantically in, in you know, people in their class or whatever it is. So I thought, yeah, I don't know if this will really be relevant, but then the more I started to dig in, I mean, and just think about my own life, like I know people, I have people in my family that are single. Yeah. So I don't have to go very far. Right. I just have to go to a, you know, a family event to have interaction with people that are single. So yeah. we decided to kind of, <clears throat> I decided to push through and just kind of gather this data and see what the scripture have to say. And I thought, I thought that the dating sermon out of all the sermons in the, in the grace, all the topics in the grace series, I thought the dating one was going to be probably the shortest of mm. the of the sermons as far as the writing goes. Yeah. Like first draft, because first draft is always way long and then you whittle whittle right. down like we've talked about. But it wasn't that way. Yeah. <clears throat> and what I found was that it was incredibly difficult because it's not like talking about justification by faith. Right. Where you can go, you know, the Bible says we're justified by our faith. And somebody goes, oh, really? And you go, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. And you just point them right to the verse. Trying to piece together what our Lord may, and I'll use the word may, think about the dating that we see in our world today, this romantic pursuit, based on his word and based on his nature, what we know of his nature from his word, really kind of threw me for a bit of a loop for mm. a while. Because I thought, I mean, even with that, the verse that we talked about, you know, in Corinthians with being unequally yoked, like, I mean, I was just kind of back and forth and just digging and digging and digging and digging. So much word study, trying to figure out, okay, what does that mean? Is it, you know, and then going back to Genesis when, you know, the two become one flesh, like, is that is that the same type of yoking and then digging into the Corinthian church a little bit more? So it, it required a lot more study than I thought yeah. uh, it was going to require because it, it required a lot of piecing, yeah. a lot of piecing together. And, and so where we kind of landed um, in the list wasn't comprehensive, but where we landed this past week was that it's sinful to date if it causes or leads to sexual immorality, yeah. which is any thought or act that's outside of God's design for sex. And that is one man, one woman in the bonds of marriage, or if you date an unbeliever mm -hmm. and that one, the second one was, you know, where the majority of the digging came in. Yeah. I, I want to be so careful in this series, not to be legalistic mm -hmm. and not to put, parameters or say that God is putting parameters. I don't put parameters on anybody. <laughs> Not to say that God has put, you know, boundaries yeah. on things um, that he that He hasn't. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think I want to be really careful. Right. You should get up there and you're like, yeah, go date anybody you want. Yeah. Just just go for it. I mean, you are <clears throat> setting yourself up for, for failure. I've had, I've done enough marriage counseling and premarital counseling to know that it doesn't it yeah. doesn't work if you are living life with a different worldview right. one based on the truth of scripture yeah. and then one based on whatever source of truth the other party yeah. involved absolutely 
rests on or builds from, yeah. you're just speaking different, completely different languages. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really good. I think one thing that we we kind of miss in that discussion sometimes really easily when we approach this topic is the reality of, um, <clears throat> I, I guess, a question I'd want to ask of like, you know, why... I guess to put it simply, why would you want to spend your life and your time committed and devoted to someone else who doesn't love Jesus? Right. Who fundamentally disagrees with your your view of reality, your view of the universe, your Literally view of everything. God, everything. Yeah. Because everything is de- determined by our worldview. Yeah. And when you come to Jesus and you trust in him and you and you believe in God's word uh, as a as your basis of truth and that you believe that there is a designer a god who has who has created all things with purpose and created guidelines for that and who defines the purpose of our life um, i don't know how you go into a marriage or a romantic relationship with someone like that unless there's other motives there and you talked right. about that for you know we are tempted. I think it's probably not probably it is very tempting for people towards sexual immorality to want to be with whoever they're just most attracted to physically. Right. Um, and you know, I think that's why scripture tells us specifically to men, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, Beauty is fleeting. Charm is deceptive. That's right. Beauty is fleeting, That's but right. the one who fears the Lord is to be That's praised. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. So our paradigm changes when we come to Jesus, when we trust in him, and we give our life to him and say, it's not just I'm going <clears> to <throat> make you the king of this religious component of my life, but no, you are you literally own me. Like, yeah. I belong to you now. And, you know, and so I think when we approach dating that way, it really changes the and shifts our perspective quite a bit. Yesterday I spent, you know, a fair amount of time just talking about the very, I would say, 101 basic visceral response that we have as men and women as it relates to sexual attraction. Yeah. It's, you know, I remember the first time I saw Rachel. Like I was working at World Gym and she walked in the door and I swear Dreamweaver started playing. <laughs> it was just like, dream. And her hair was blowing, and I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> like it was, it was crazy, and that had nothing to do. And it is different for men and, and women to a certain extent. We're seeing to a certain that, extent. We're seeing but, that shift yeah. quite a bit in culture today. But you know, attraction in a relationship goes far beyond that visual stimulus that that we feel you know then i began to talk to rachel and get to know rachel and that outer beauty only amplified because of the inner beauty that was was in here and so on sunday i spent you know quite a bit of time talking about that very basic visceral response that we have that's based on you know what we see and recognizing that there's certainly more to attraction than than that and like you said, you know, the scriptures make it pretty clear that all those things are are fleeting. As a guy who's um, in his early 40s now, just watching, and it seems like since I hit 40, the aging process is just kind of sped up. Mm. Like the wheels are now greased. <laughs> <laughs> Where before they were just kind of slowly moving, but now... You go so downhill fast. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, like within the last couple of years, like, you know, more gray hairs are coming in and, yeah. you know... Uh, that widow's peak is becoming a little more prominent and, you know, just even just start wearing beanies, dude. That's what I do. 
<laughs> I think I was talking to someone the other the other day, and they were like, "Yeah, it's weird. Like I see the top of your head on Sundays, but that's it." I'm yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, and that goes, and it's you know, I, I at least for me, like I just it, like hats. I'm not hiding anything. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's where you keep your Easy Mac. Down a ten gallon hat. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't want you know people to come away from yesterday me thinking that dating and relationships is in is just this again this visceral response yeah. of sexually charged pursuits but right. when it comes to dating and sin that's kind of the it's kind of the hotbed pun intended so to speak oh i see what you did, see what there. I did there shoo yeah. shoo <laughs> can i say that jared and i were that. talking about trains <laughs> thomas the train Jared's wearing Tom's. It's because I'm wearing Tom's, and you said, are those Thomas's Thomas's. shoes? Yeah. Or are those Thomas's? And I said, yes, Thomas the choo-choo train. And then I went, shoo-shoo. And it was unbelievably good. It was terrible. Yeah. Super cheesy. That's right. As a man in my early 40s and a father, I feel entitled to make that joke. It's true. So. Yeah, that's good. All all that to say that uh, we spent the walk of our time you know, really talking about sexual immorality and then yeah. what it is to to date an unbeliever. Yeah. And so we got a few questions today. Yeah. Did we say what episode this is? It's four. Is this four? It is four. Dude, that's four in a row. Four in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing because yeah. I can count only a couple more and then we'll have to like well, you only have we'll one have to more, start a new season. One more finger left on a hand. That's right. That's so. it. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. All right, question one. Today's teaching that spoke against a believer dating a non-believer has caused me to wonder what about a couple who has been married for over 30 years and one partner in that marriage has recently become a believer and the other has not? Wouldn't the believer be the light through which God will shine to help disciple the non-believer? Would 1 Corinthians seven thirteen through 14 apply? Thank you. The first thing I'm thinking <laughs> is people are going to wonder how this tape got here. Oh man, no! <laughs> Ignore the tape. Give me the just, just. because in in one shot the tape is there's not no there. tape. <laughs> there is no tape. I didn't use tape to do anything specific to the shot. This week, just listen. Oh my! Just listen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a great question, and I'm glad somebody asked it because uh, this was one of the things that kind of hit that cutting room floor. Yeah. But again, we were talking about dating. This is talking about marriage. So right. let me just go ahead and read First Corinthians seven. And what this listener is talking about here, starting in verse, yeah, we'll start in verse 13. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? This is a really complex section of Scripture. Yes. because, And we're not going to get into this today because of the time that it would take uh, to really kind of dig into this. But this has implications for many Christians, many believers of, are there two reasons, two permissible reasons for divorce? One yeah. being um, the Greek word is porneia, mm-hmm. which is uh, translated sexual immorality or fornication. Right. Uh, and then this being the unbelieving spouse that, that leaves abandonment. Right. We won't get into that. We'll kind of stick um, on message here. 
But the question is, is wouldn't the believer be the light through which God would shine to help disciple the non-believer? Well, that's precisely what this, that's precisely yeah. what this says. And so if you've got a, a couple that's been married for, doesn't matter any length of time, one year, six months, 30 years, 50 years, 70 years, and one partner, you know, becomes a believer, they've accepted that free gift of grace, Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, and the other partner is or wants nothing to, to do with that. Can you divorce? Should you divorce? Is it sinful to be with that person? I'll say this. Sin, God God never commands us to use sin to correct sin. That it doesn't work. Sin right. doesn't correct sin. And so divorce in that instance, when you've got a partner that's willing to stay with you, mm-hmm. hear all those sorts of things that, you know, to divorce that that spouse would be would be sinful. Yeah. So you stay and you are that light that shines. Uh-huh. I want to spend a minute or two just unpacking this a little bit because this also has implications of, uh, for some, that you can, your children, and this is what some take it to mean, or your spouse is saved because you are saved. In other words, the household is saved because there's one saved individual. Right. Uh, for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. <clears throat> that word holy, this is them. I'm reading from the English Standard Version is often translated, which is even more difficult, uh, sanctified, mm. <laughs> because we hear that word sanctified. Well, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> right. It almost it almost makes it more complicated. We've got to remember this word holy means to be set apart. And so there was holiness. We often think of it in relationship to God because God is holy. He's set apart. That's divine holiness. The, the holiness that Paul's alluding to here is... Uh, being set apart for marriage, like marital holiness, familial holiness, the children being holy, set apart, that language in there about being clean and unclean has nothing to do with personal sanctification. It's not salvific, meaning it's not dealing or talking about salvation. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be an unbelieving husband. Right. And so how some people get there with, well, I believe, and so therefore my kids are, you know, believers or they're going to be saved or they're going to be in heaven or my husband is going to be in heaven or my wife is going to be in heaven because I believe it's just a misunderstanding of that word holy that the word holy is used in a lot of different places and so it's not talking about that that personal uh, salvific work that God does in our life sanctified being the more difficult word because we think of sanctification of becoming more like like Christ that's not what it's talking about it's talking about they're not they're holy. They're still set apart for marriage. It's still okay yeah. to be married to be a part of that family, the genealogy, right. and that sort of stuff. And so I wanted to just make that distinction yeah. in case sure. there's a follow up question. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, to correct sin with sin to divorce uh, wouldn't make any sense. You would want to at that point do what Romans ten tells us, do what God tells us to do in Romans ten, which is you want to you know share the gospel message with your spouse, yeah. and then you want to live as salt and live as as light. Yeah. You want to make sure that your life is reflecting a life that is honoring to the Lord and that you are displaying your good works so that your husband or your wife can see them, your children can see them yeah. and glorify God in, yeah, in heaven. Good. But I'm glad this uh, was was brought up. But again, I didn't include it yeah. on Sunday because it was, it was dating. Yeah. And there's very different rules for, you know, a lot of times in premarital counseling, um, you know, they'll talk about uh, you know, because you got Ephesians five, where it's 
it's that, you know, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit mm-hmm. to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves his church. And they're like, you know, in, the, in these couples, even though they're fiancés, mm-hmm. they're like, well, they're not doing it and they're not doing it. And I'm like, well, I mean, there is no, you guys aren't married yet. Right. I mean, you want to, to date and, and start to, with a certain, as much as you can, yeah. move towards living as a married couple, not in the same home, but recognizing right. those things. But you have to understand that part of what God will do in your relationship is grow you into those roles. Right. The moment Rachel and I said, I do, it wasn't like, oh, all of a sudden I love Rachel like Christ loved the church. And all of a sudden she loved me like Christ loved the church. And then I was submitting to her and then she was submitting to me that mutual submission yeah. that scriptures talk about. It takes time. Yeah. It takes time. And so sometimes you'll see that, you know, dating couples, couples that are engaged are wanting those biblical practices that are, you know, commanded in scripture and given us in scripture for marriage to to be implemented in dating. And I think those are things that you aim for, recognizing that yeah. they may not be implemented yeah. in in their I mean, it may take it may take years. I'm still learning how to love Rachel. Yeah. Rachel's still learning how to love me and we're still navigating. Rachel and I've been together for seventeen years now. Yeah. Um, married in 2009, but you know, dated before before that. So it's been it's been a lot of years that we've been together and been navigating these waters. And so it takes time. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely, really you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to split. You wouldn't want to divorce. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that um, recognizing kind of that moment of you know, if if you have an unbelieving couple and one of them comes to Jesus, trusts Jesus, and is saved, um, you would think that one of the tools in you know, one of the ways that they become a tool in Jesus's hands of, of expressing his love to the unbelieving spouse is the fact that that person believing God's word would almost, you know, in a new way, uh, recommit to that covenant. Right. And there should be a shift in that relationship of, wow, this person has changed. Well, now the fruit of the spirit is evident in that relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, maybe it's a one way street for now, but do you not, I mean, I just think it's got to be a powerful expression of God's love, an expression of the 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 difference pre uh, pre salvation and post salvation of you know the Holy Spirit working in someone's life as an unbelieving spouse to all of a sudden be experiencing this wildly different person that's becoming more different and changing in these really great ways. It's almost like, wow, you have become this amazing blessing in my life. It's, it's a twenty four hour a day in take this high. I mean, it's like a twenty four hour a day commercial, right? for the gospel message where before perhaps in your marriage there was difficulties with humility and gentleness and when you argued you were losing your temper but now all of a sudden you're you don't care about being right you care about restoring right relationship and so you're displaying humility and you're being gentle and you're being kind and you're exercising self-control and the only difference is christ the only difference is the holy spirit and so for the unbelieving spouse to see that on a regular basis and that not to give them pause, make them, you know, interested or curious as to what's going on, investigate a little bit further would be, would be unusual. Yeah. As far as, you know, a believer marrying an unbeliever, yeah. that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Like I, I would. Again, that's go, that's going back more specifically to what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that can't, that can't happen. No. I mean that, and that. Again, um, you know, the verse about unequally yoked is, a, you know, warning to the church not to partner with, you know, organizations or other churches or believers, teachers that 
are subscribing to doctrine that is contrary to what the scriptures teach. But there is a partnership in in marriage; the two become one, and yeah. so you might you might be able to use that kind of imagery right. of of that. But again, even understanding what a yoke is, you know, yoke yeah. keeps oxen moving in the same same direction. Yeah. Where marriage, the two become one; right. the two become one flesh. And there's really no way to truly become one flesh if the origin of all things in truth that you believe is drastically different than the truth right. of that that person. And so, yeah. but it's a tough thing. Like I said yesterday, because yeah. people want to be in relationships yeah, absolutely. and it's a, a lot of it. I don't know. How did it start with you and, and Sarah? I was kind of there for the beginning of all of that. Not, yeah. not there, but, sort of, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I watched some of that right. transpire. Yeah. How did things start with me and Sarah? Um, well, my eyes beheld her in ninth grade homeroom on the first day of school. Yeah. She walked in, and she was wearing a hoodie with her hood up. Mm. Looked like she was unhappy to be awake at that moment. Sat down at one of the little desks, you know, put her head down. And I don't know why, but in that moment, I was just like, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to marry that freshman girl yeah. who's so it, sad at school. <laughs> well, I, she was just, you know, she well, was morning. not a morning person. No. Yeah, it's super early. It's like 720 or something like yeah. that. Well, no one's happy at that moment. Most aren't. Well, most. Mo yeah, most some. teenagers are not happy at that moment. Nearly all. So yeah. anyways, yeah, so it was... Um, so did you ask her... high school. Did you ask her out then? No, uh, I didn't know how to do stuff like that. you guys didn't start dating until... We dated. So I pursued her uh, through gestures like being her friend... Which that was mistake number one. <laughs> I like that being her friend was a gesture. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, you know, I really liked her. I wanted to be around her. She played guitar and that blew my mind. I'm yeah. like, <gasps> right. That is so hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, as a teenager who's like playing guitar and you're like, girls can play guitar. Whoa. Right. <laughs> you know, so that was cool. Um, I started carrying her guitar for her because, you know, that's a gesture. That was a gesture. Yeah. But, <laughs> So, sorry, I uh, no, phrased it horribly. No, I just love it. Um, anyways, yeah, I manipulated her with friendship, and uh, yeah. it wasn't that. Good. Um, so then finally, 11th grade, she came around. So two years of hot pursuit, um, as they say, and she uh, we so dated for three months. Were you asking her out, and she was like, I'm not, I'm not into you? I wasn't asking her out actively, but I had asked her two things. Like, okay. uh, we went to a Christian school, so we didn't have, like, prom or anything, but yeah. we had, like, winter formal. Yeah. You know, and so I asked her to winter formal, and she said no. And Just that was straight up no. Well, she, she thought about it. She thought about it. She was going with someone else. Okay, yeah. Who asked afterwards. <laughs> so. So she was waiting for her soulmate. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> it still hurts. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, she's. <laughs> anyways, yeah. so yeah, so I I put myself out there, but okay. you know, in in as awkward as a way as you know a ninth or tenth tenth grader can. Yeah. Uh, so junior year, we date for three months. We break up. I was depressed for the rest of the summer. You know mm -hmm. how that goes. Um, and then we remained friends, but I mean, we we didn't date again until like two years, three years later, um, you know, I had, uh, we graduated. She went away to college for a bit, came back, and um, she made her presence known in my life. Mm. 
and we started talking again. It was kind of like was she working at the buckle when that she was okay, actually, yeah. yes. Some people she, may not know this, but my wife Rachel and Sarah have known each other for a very long time. Twenty five years. They yeah, nearly. <laughs> they worked together at a retail store at Crocker Park mm-hmm. called The Buckle. The Buckle. So we knew Sarah. I knew Sarah before before you knew me. Before I knew you, certainly. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. so um yeah, so we started to date and it was kind of right at the beginning of dating. We were just like, Yes, we're gonna get married, right? Yeah. yeah. It was just kinda you know, you just knew. yeah, we just knew. Yeah. Um and so we dated and then we got engaged and then Six weeks later, we got, or seven weeks later, we got married because we we're like, well, let's just get married. Yeah. And that was almost 10 years ago. Wow. So that's amazing. It's been good. Yeah. So that's cool. That was a nice little meet and greet moment right there. I like yeah, that. I like well, There's I always just going to be called stores. meet and greets. <laughs> <laughs> we got another one. We do. Yes. So, all right. Question numero dos. Regarding yesterday's sermon, I'm hoping you and Neil might be able to talk about age gaps in dating, more specifically if the age gap is more than a decade. My question is, how do you go about counseling a couple with an age gap that is intended on getting married? With an age gap, typically one person may be sacrificing the possibility of having children, especially if the other in the relationship is well-traveled when it comes to life experiences. That's a great question. It is a great question. You and Sarah, about the same age, right? Yeah, she's actually two months older than me. Okay. She robbed the cradle. <laughs> yeah. So Rachel and I have an eight-year uh, gap Ooh, in age. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's eight years older than I am. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she looks great. Um, yeah, this is a this is a great question. It's a, one that this is also a gray area to answer. Totally. Scripture doesn't address this yeah. from anything that I've read or mm-hmm. seen or studied. Scripture doesn't talk, I mean, within genealogies, it talks about the age of certain people, Yeah. but within the dynamic of relationships, age isn't really addressed. You've got Genesis, uh, you can think of Genesis 17, where uh, Abraham and Abraham's wife, Sarah, uh, Sarah, God is telling Abraham and Sarah, you guys are going to have a baby, and Abraham's, the scripture notes, 1717, that Abraham's 100 years old, and Sarah is 90 years old. So we've got a 10-year gap there. But other than that, we don't really get much indication as to does the Lord have a preferred age range for couples to be married. Certainly, you know, again, dating. Scripture doesn't talk about dating much. It's all about about marriage. And this particular listener is talking about somebody that wants to get married where there's an age gap. So the Scriptures don't really give us anything really one way or the other. You've got Ruth and, and Boaz mm-hmm. and Ruth three. Um, Boaz is like, you know, way to go. You're not, you know, pursuing younger men. So we can assume that Boaz was older. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know for sure. Right. I saw estimates where Boaz might've been 80 and Ruth might've been 40, but that's all conjecture. Right. Pure speculation. Scripture doesn't, doesn't lay out anything for yeah. us. Yeah. Likely a gap in age between Joseph and Mary Jesus's parents, but again, Scripture doesn't talk about yeah. that. We have to remember that in, uh, you know, traditionally in Jewish culture, like, you know, women were considered women around 12, 13, same with men, right around that age. And so it's possible that, you know, they were getting married at, at a young age, but that has since gone by the, the wayside. You've got 
laws now. I think it was in 2019, Ohio changed the marriage law. I think it used to be that with parental consent in the state of Ohio, you could get married at 16. Mm -hmm. But now uh, you have to be 17 to get married. And from what I from what I understand, parental consent doesn't matter. It has to be judicial consent. Interesting. And there can't be more than a four-year age gap, which is interesting. The state of that Ohio says you can be 17, but a, a, like a court, a judge has to approve it, yeah. and you can only marry somebody that's four years older or less. Interesting. So if you're 17, 21. Yeah. That's very interesting. So certainly Romans 13 kicks into gear there where right. we submit to those governing authorities. That's sure. that's the law. But what do you do in a situation like this where you've got somebody that let's say let's say they're later later in life for whatever reason they haven't gotten married and you've got we'll just use a 40-year-old and I don't know what's reason a 30-year-old there's a, there's yeah, there's that'd a gap. Yeah, probably be pretty normal. Yeah, there's a gap there. Uh how do you how do you counsel them? You counsel them like anybody else. Yeah. Um, age and maturity are very different, mm-hmm. and age and spiritual maturity are very very different. Yeah, I have met twenty one, twenty two year old men and women who are both mature. I'll say in an earthly way, yeah, and then mature spiritually, and I have met. 70 year old people who are immature in an earthly way right <laughs> in spiritual. Right. It really it's ca- it's case by case yeah and so part of what you do in premarital counseling is you try to you don't try to create problems certainly mm-hmm. but you try to to turn rocks over so right. to speak stir up soil yeah. that maybe hasn't been stirred up before yeah you get a third party involved like a like a pastor and mm-hmm. you start asking questions, and now you've got people on a on a couch in your office, and they might feel safe enough yeah. to say some things that maybe they wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. And there's all different types of marriage counseling out there. Yeah, Pastor Bob does the, the majority of our marriage yeah. counseling here at um, he does the majority of the counseling period mm-hmm. here at Hope, both premarital and marriage. And um, most of the meetings that I have with people are people asking questions about scripture. What does this mean? Yeah, I. I would say probably maybe a few times a year, six, seven times a year, we'll do marriage counseling, something like that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that's something that, you know, Pastor Bob handles. And yeah. so it it really is, in my experience, just really case by case. Yeah. The idea of sacrifice, whether it's, <clears throat> you know, someone, let's say, let's say it's reversed. Let's say you've got uh, a woman in her 50s and mm-hmm. a, a guy in his 40s and he's never been married and wants children, you know, these things come up in, in premarital counseling. Not that yeah. having a child at 50 is out of the question, but it's going to be pretty difficult yeah. to, to do yeah. that. Um, you know, just based on anatomy, right. just based on, you know, biology. And so you you dive into those waters yeah, and definitely. you talk about all those things ahead of time. And they also mention somebody that's well-traveled and experienced life. Rachel and I have run into that. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, you know, even with an eight year age gap, like when I first met Rachel, Rachel and I first started dating, Rachel was 18 and I was 26 and I wasn't walking with the Lord at that point. Um, I knew 
who Jesus was. I just decided I didn't want to be obedient and I wanted to go live, live my life. And so, you know, I remember Rachel coming into the gym and Rachel had a boyfriend, but I didn't care. It yeah. didn't matter. I thought I can take this fella because <laughs> that's what you think when you're in your twenties, like, you know, like I'm going to have to fight for yeah. it. and that's not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I will duel for you. I will duel. <laughs> I will joust. <laughs> so, so I started. Um, so I started joust lessons. Yeah. At, no. Because uh, <laughs> I thought this is what you do. The medieval times. And- or, but Rachel and I just started, you know, talking, and there, and there was conversation. And Rachel was incredibly mature for eighteen. I remember all my guy friends just, you know, busting my chops. They're like, "What are you doing? She's eighteen. Yeah. You're just, you know, messing around." And I'm like, "No, I like I really like this girl, and she's yeah. amazing, and she's smart, and she's, um, you know, funny, and just ha- possessed all these. She's kind. She had all these qualities. That I thought, man, this is amazing, and." So we just continued to talk and all those things. But even as mature as Rachel was and as immature as I was at 26, there were still some some gaps. I'd yeah. still lived life. I'd still experienced mm-hmm. some things. I had been engaged before mm-hmm. meeting Rachel. So I'd already been through that process of proposing to somebody. And I mean, the the venue was booked. The caterer was booked. Wow. Like it was, I you know, I called it off three months beforehand. So, you know, dating a girl that was 18 and explaining to her, like, yeah, I've already been down that path. And so if it would force her naturally to think, well, when he proposes to me, if he proposes to me, there's, that's not going to be the first time that he does that. Yeah. Which, you know, could make somebody sad. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But we, we navigated those, those waters and, there were certainly some things that we had to sacrifice on both ends, but that's a relationship period, whether there's an age gap or not, there's, there's always sacrifice involved. And when you, at least in my experience, when you love somebody, and I think Christ is the most incredible example of love producing sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you will give up everything for that person. And so if it's a 50 year old woman that wants a child and a 40 year old man, um, that wants a child, however that plays out, there's that, that love. And of course, bringing that third strand in the cord, which is Christ. So Solomon talks about that, that cord of three strands is not easily broken. Yep. You know, two are better than one because one can help the other up, but the cord of three strands is strongest. And so as Christ is that third strand in the cord, there's, there's nothing that you can't over overcome that he doesn't yeah. want you to over right. overcome. So, yeah, as far as age gap goes, whether it's whether it's a decade or not, you know, certainly we adhere to the law. That's yeah. the first thing we do. You got to yeah. be of of marrying, marrying, marrying <laughs> age, marrying age. <laughs> I'm fading, Jared. Uh, <laughs> anyways, oh, it, you got to be you know of age to get married, right? And then certainly, you know, there are some I would say common sense things that that you yeah. have to think about. Um, but hopefully, hopefully by the time you wind up in my office or Bob's office or any, any pastor's office to, to counsel, you've talked about some of these heavier, heavier things. I can't imagine, and it, and it hasn't been the case, at least for me, where I've ever experienced a couple that has come in and I'm like, you know, where are we at with kids? And they're like, we've never, we never talked about that. Right. Like they've, they've already dug yeah. down deep with things that i mean uh, 
I mean, finances, where yeah. we're going to live. I'm, and, and we try to, you know, again, turn rocks over and see yeah. if there's soil that hasn't been, been stirred that could be problematic. But having a kid is a big a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, people talk about having animals, you know, what we're going to do with a dog, yeah. where we're going to live, all that kind of stuff. If I, you know, sat them down, I was like, listen, you know, are you guys Colgate or Crest? Yeah. Like, what kind of toothpaste? And they're like, well, we didn't talk about that. That That's probably more likely. Yeah. Uh, but maybe not even that. Yeah. I mean, you think about when you were dating Sarah. Yeah. I, mean, I imagine you guys had that conversation. And yeah. I know Rachel and I had that conversation about kids and, mm-hmm. you know, what we were, you know, hoping life would turn out like right. and what we thought we were going to do for jobs. Yep. <laughs> and God was like, oh, this is cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love listening to them talk. Yep. <laughs> I've got other plans. <laughs> so, um, but it's been, it's been good. As long as you keep Christ at the center of your relationship, whether it's dating, whether it's marriage, yeah, there's nothing that, that he can't, through his spirit, through his word, help you navigate and have victory in and, and overcome. Yeah. You may not always see eye to eye. In fact, you, oftentimes you won't. But these things won't be deal breakers where the marriage is now in shambles or perhaps yeah. you're, you're breaking up because of dating. And that's kind of the whole push for the dating thing. If you keep Christ at the center of the dating relationship, mm-hmm. you're going to be willing to take those thoughts captive when it comes to sexual immorality and you're not going to be involved in sexual acts. And right. if you keep Christ at the center of your life, He's going to, he's going to remind you like, Hey, listen, you know, you don't need to date somebody to evangelize and you, you don't, you can't date an unbeliever. Like you guys are just, you're playing a different game completely. You're, you know, um, you're doing completely different things and heading in completely different directions. Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. Yeah. That's really good. That's great. Cool. Do we we have time for one more? I think we do. Okay. Let's do one more. Um, Okay. Okay, so I have questions, and this could totally be a podcast question if you wanted it to be. Well, we want it to be, <laughs> but I'm curious on your take. All the stuff going on in Ukraine, is it a sin to be a warrior or in the military and fight for your country, including killing, etc.? I know you said we have to obey governing law, and right now their leader is telling them to grab weapons and fight, but does that go against God's law? Yeah, so this is a very relevant question. Yeah. Uh, in respect to what's going on in our world right mm-hmm. now. Um, so I think it'd be good to, to answer this. And I want to start off by, we're talking about Ecclesiastes more than I thought we would today, <laughs> but Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 3 um, that there is a time for war. There is a time for war. There's yeah. a time for peace. There's a time for everything. Yeah. And so we know that there is a time for war. We know that in Scripture, God commanded battles. He commanded wars. I think of, and this is a really difficult Scripture, 1 Samuel 15, when God is um, telling Saul to go destroy the Amalekites, Mm -hmm. and he says, go kill the men, kill the women, kill the children, kill the livestock, destroy everything. And even saying that out loud is, it's haunting. Yeah. It it really is. But we have to remember that God is, God is just. Psalm 89, Deuteronomy 32, 
remind us that God is a just God. What's that mean? It means that the decisions that he makes are the right decisions. Right for him and ultimately right for his plan. And so we need to be willing to submit and succumb to his will and his plan, even if it doesn't seem just to us. We talk about Romans 8.28. God works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his, you know the verse. So I think oftentimes we'll see that, well, God wants to work things out together for my good. But my version of good is not necessarily God's version of good. I explained it to somebody yesterday in relationship to another another question. But I, I think about my version of good compared to my five-year-old son's version of good. For Henry, it would be good to eat sugar cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Henry had surgery on Friday, and we got home. We just wanted him to have a good day, great day, because he yeah. had a really rough day. And Rachel's like, what, what do you want? And he's like, can we bake Christmas cookies? Awesome. And Rachel was like, yes. And so Rachel was kind enough to go to the store. She got all the stuff. And then Henry was feeling up to helping her mix the ingredients. We made Christmas cookies and we decorated them. And that's all the kid wants to eat. Yeah. So for Henry, good is eating cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But for his father, my version of good is not giving Henry cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so we may look at a situation and say, how can this be good? How can God allow something like this to happen? And this is kind of where I throw in the towel. I know that sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, sometimes I feel this pressure to have an answer Mm. for everything um, because of what the Lord has called me to in pastoral ministry. Sure. And sometimes because I feel like that's what people want. They want me to have all the answers, but I don't. I certainly don't. God's word yeah. does, but there are some things that are unanswerable. Sure. Why God allows certain things can be nearly unanswerable. I can give a big answer for his glory. And I've got plenty of verses to back that up. God's for his glory, that's what he desires and that's what he deserves. But when it comes to what we deem as good and what he thinks is good, what he thinks is just and what we think is just, there's a great chasm. Yeah. There's a great chasm. And so when you read, you know, first Samuel fifteen and God's instruction to Saul, you think the kids, the the animals, yeah. like how is that good? How is that just? And again, this is where I kind of throw in the towel and go, I trust the Lord. He is good. He is faithful and he is just. So how does that all play into what's happening now in our world and what has happened in history as it relates to war? I think, I think many people would agree that oftentimes the wars that are started and the wars that take place are not for just reasons. Based on God's word 
and based on what we know of, I'll say, God's common grace, part of God's common grace gives a sense of morality to mankind, which is why it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, to hear God give instruction to go kill men, women, and children, you think that that doesn't sit well with you, even if you're an atheist, because God in his common grace has written some moral laws on people's heart. And you've got Exodus 20, you got the Ten Commandments, you know, you shouldn't murder. And so the thought might be, well, if you are a soldier, if you are in the military, and your commanding officers tell you to go out and, and kill, is that justified or is that in violation of God's law? And based on what I know of Scripture and based on what I know of the nature of God, I think it, I think it can be okay if the war is justified. What we're seeing now, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, um, is, is evil. What's happening with Russia in their pursuit, these are not, these are not just pursuits. It doesn't really matter. And, and admittedly, for those that are listening, I'm not a guy who spends a lot of time on current events. You, in fact, you were gracious enough to help bring me up to speed on a lot of this stuff last week mm. uh, because the majority of my time is spent studying God's Word, and I try to stay up to date with current events. But I want to be careful because I'm not here, and I don't. that pulpit isn't a place for any sort of political agenda or... Uh, any sort of insertion of my opinion on certain things. So Jared was very kind to kind of bring me up to speed. And then since then, I've been doing a little bit more reading. So, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily the best person to answer um, the nuance of what's happening in Russia, in in Ukraine. But I I, I think I can answer the general question of, is it permissible by our Lord to be a soldier, even if that means killing, we'll say the enemy or the opposing the opposing um, side. And I think if the war is just, if it doesn't violate God's law, I think that's something that is permissible, yep. and it's something that we see God command in Scripture, commanding battles, commanding war. Um, you know, He told the Israelites, "You're going to get this promised land," and they they had to fight. Yeah. They had to fight for it. So I think based on what I know, and again, uh, I think you can speak better to this, what we're seeing happen in our in our world with Russia and their their pursuits are are not justified. There's nothing there's nothing God honoring about any of that. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think you bring up a good point. Um kind of looking back at kind of what God has commanded in the past. And certainly we would say that, you know, God is justified in all he does because he's God and he owns everything. And, you know, when it comes down to it, we belong to God, whether or not we're a Christian or not. And so what he decides to do with our life and however he chooses to use us for his glory is not up to us. It's up to him. So in the Old Testament, when we see scriptures like that, that are troubling, it's troubling for good reason, because Mm -hmm. normally, ordinarily, uh, that is, we, we're not given the right to take life. God is. Right. And sometimes he does that through 
natural disaster. Sometimes he does that through sickness. Sometimes he does that through old age. Sometimes he does that. He's the, he's the master of our lives. He's written the number of days for us. Some of us have one more day to live. Some right. of us have years and years and years left. He's the author of our life. So he gets to determine the length and purpose of our life. We don't get to determine that. So that also means that we we don't really get to question the manner in which he uses our life for his purposes. Mm. Um, I, I think it's normal to ask those questions. I don't mean Potter like... Potter and clay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's a... What I'm not saying is it's, it's, it's wrong for you to wonder what God no. is up to. It's not no, no, that. No. What I mean by questioning God is defiantly saying you have no right to do that. Yeah. He has every his, right to do that. Right. He has every right to do whatever the heck He's he wants. He's making a mistake. He made literally right. everything. Right. Um, so, you know, we don't have a right to say to him you know, why have you made me this way? Yeah. The potter does what he wants with his clay. Yeah. Um, I think it's a different category altogether though. Like you were saying, when it's a question of what your government is wanting to do or what a particular ruler is wanting to do. And that's when you have to ask the question, is this war justified? I think it's, it's great that you landed there. I think we, given current events, I think it's a really good idea for us individually to read up on just war theory. And it's basically a philosophical approach to how do we use scripture to analyze war? Right. How do we, you know, so, you know, God forbid this whole thing escalates to a crazy level and perhaps one of our listeners is called upon to serve or something like that. Mm. And certainly that's not the expectation at this point. And certainly that's not anyone's hope. We're praying against any kind of escalation. We're praying for peace, Mm. uh, for God to restore peace to this whole situation. But if that were to happen, it would be a good idea to know what you're being asked to do. Right? Is it justified if the United States were to get involved in this conflict? Right. Is that justified from a from a political standpoint, from a standpoint of looking at nations and how nations are called to interact with one another based on biblical principle? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing we look at is the command not to murder. Uh, Thomas Watson does a really great job of looking at that and revealing through the commandments that when God says not to do something, there's an implication, you know, there's an implication of what is the right thing to do. Right. And so one of the principles that we can derive from the commandment not to murder is the commandment to protect life, to uphold life, to uh, protect innocence. And certainly we're called to do that, to, um, to uplift the least of these, to care for them um, much much beyond just their life, um, you know, we're called to care for people for the well-being of their life as well. But um, I think we can derive from that principles that we can then think about self-defense. How do we defend our homes? How do mm-hmm. we defend our families? Are we called to do that? Are we called to pacifism? These are questions that we have to think about and we have to right. we have to come to a personal conviction on, um, you know, and I think it's important to note that historically, and this may not always be the case, but there has been provisions given um, for conscientious objectors, sure. at least in the United States. I can't say that's true everywhere because I can guarantee you that's not the case. You know, if you're called upon to go to war, you know for a fact that it's a sinful war, that there's no justification, that your nation has no reason to be doing this, or your your task would be to do something that's evil and against the law of God, and you have the opportunity to opt out then you opt out. Um, if you don't have the opportunity to opt out, you do as little as you can to obey those orders. And sometimes, you know, the 
I'm speaking into a vacuum here because I don't know, right. uh, but I could imagine that there might be situations where you are in danger because you are holding to your biblical worldview, trusting the Lord to preserve your life and choosing to obey him rather than man, whether it's a commanding officer, or officer whether it's your government. Um, we know this, you know, yeah. we're called to obey God rather than man. And so if push comes to shove and you forfeit your life for the sake of Christ, um, because you refuse to do something you're being ordered to do or something in a military situation, we know that, that we need to count the cost and be ready. Yeah. Um, and so that might be an avenue <laughs> that might be an avenue of sacrifice. I don't know, yeah. but you know, those are the things that we need to think about. And certainly that's not all encompassing. This is such a complex question and such a complex thing to sort through. But I think so much of it comes down to us spending time figuring this out for ourselves based upon what we know about God, what we know about his word. Um, and again, yeah, I would, if, if I were this listener, I would look into just war theory and investigate that because there's lots of different perspectives to that. And it really helps you formulate and begin to think through how do we approach these kind of conflicts from a biblical perspective? Yeah, I think that's, I so appreciate your insight on that. And I, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, the kind of the, ultimate question they're asking is it a sin to be a war a warrior or yeah. a military or in the military and fight for your country and the answer to that is going to be the answer to every every gray some sometimes sometimes, yeah. sometimes it is sometimes it's not right and so knowing like you said knowing what you're getting into as much as you can right because that's the, oh that's man that's the hard part yeah. that's what's so difficult and that's been one of the tough things about COVID, I think, for yeah. so many people is, um, you know, what's, is there more going on? Is there something behind it? What's driving right. this? And yeah. we know that, that our hearts are desperately wicked mm. in that every, I mean, I think back to, you know, pre-flood, every thought and intent of man was evil and God was sorrowful that he made mankind one of the most confusing scriptures <laughs> in all the Bible for, <laughs> for this fella right here. Um, but I mean, you wonder if we're getting back there. I've said before, like God said, he'd never flood the earth again, but he didn't say anything about fire. Yeah. <laughs> so he <may> just, yes. <laughs> and, and you're absolutely right. You know, our, our, our date, our expiration date is scheduled. It's appointed unto man once to die, then comes to judgment. Like right. there's nothing we can do. We don't have access to that schedule. We can't change that schedule and how right. God chooses to move, um, you know, those vessels of, I'll say vessels of mercy from earth to, you know, heaven and those vessels of wrath from earth to hell. How he chooses to transport is up to, it's up to him. Yeah. But we have a responsibility to know when we adhere to those governing authorities yeah. and when they are asking us to violate God's God's law. And in our world today, that seems increasingly power hungry yeah. and greedy. These waters are incredibly difficult to, to navigate yeah. because they're, they're treacherous and it's so hard to know if you can, what the truth is is yeah outside of scripture right this truth this is unchanging god's word is unchanging yeah but motive like why why putin's doing what he's right. doing i mean you can certainly look at you know past moves and go well this is likely yeah not for good reasons right but 
you know, even when it comes to our own government, it becomes increasingly difficult. And again, yeah. I'm not a political guy. Yeah. I think that fires people up sometimes. I do my civic duty and I try to know the issues and yeah. vote when I have opportunity. But I don't get worked up about politics. I, I don't. I, I have, and it's not that I have this, you know, otherworldly trust in God. It's just an area that the Lord has given me great peace in. I get riled up about other stuff. You know, I'll, I'll get frustrated with other things where sure. someone else might be like, well, what are you worried about that for? Yeah. So we all have our our area that seems to not sit well with us. Yeah. But when it comes to, you know, what's happening in our government and what's happening and I, I I find that I the Lord has been gracious in helping me just lean in on Him and go. Okay, I know His law, I know His word, and I know if they ask me to do something that violates that, that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. And beyond that, all I can do is what what I'm empowered to do through our government, yeah. as far as knowing the issues and voting and things like that. But yeah. this is a great question. So really is it a sin to be a warrior? Some sometimes, yeah, sometimes. I think that's it. I think that's it. We already did meet and greet. Is there anything left to talk about? I feel like it's all just, it's done. It's complete. If you want to be done, we can be done. I'm not trying to be done. I'm just saying, I feel like we did it. (laughs) I I feel like we finally, (laughs) we complete. Well, I think we did the order. I think I messed messed up at the order. To the end. What about one more question? Do we have time? For you, meet and greet. Oh yes, I let's had, do it. I we've got one more, one more question. When you were a kid, quick, yeah. Jared, yes, what did you want to be when you grew up? Astronaut. No hesitation. No hesitation. Space. I still love space. You would go. It's to space? so fascinating. Yes. In fact, oh, what? Oh, okay. This is what we'll do. Going back. In fact, the question I asked you: What movie, if you could, would you watch again for the very first time? Yeah. I I can't land on one, only one. But one for sure would be Interstellar. Okay. I feel like it's the first movie in space that I watched or a movie about space that I watched that captured the the size and scale of space okay. uh, wow. in, in just a crazy way. Um I I in and there's a shot there where you see like the tiny glint of the ship and there's Saturn. Okay. And that just oh that's I want more of that. Um I've told Sarah this multiple times and she just cannot even begin to fathom why I feel this way. But there's a part of me that's deeply sorrowful that I will never get to go to space and see like planets with my own eyes. And it just, it boggles my mind. Cause mm. it's just like, I've seen pictures, I've seen yeah. this stuff. It's really there though. Like, it's not just like, yeah. I've got a telescope. Um, and when I point it at Saturn and I see the rings, I'm just like, this is, like I'm looking at it. But you want to be like, you want to be closer it. to Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there are planets, there are there are stars, there are things that are out there that are just they're there. They're real. God created this stuff yeah. for his glory and created this expansive universe that's mind-blowingly big. Like it's impossible to even begin to fathom the size and scale of the universe. Oh yeah. And the trillions of stars and the trillions upon trillions of planets and all the things that there are to discover and see. And it bothers me that like, uh, maybe in eternity I'll get to maybe, maybe that'll, I don't know. I don't know what that'll be like. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I don't know. So you're maybe gonna... some of that is there because it's going to be there a long, long time and we'll all get to enjoy it for a long, long time. I don't know. Well, but what I gonna... do know is here and now is I'm never going to get to look out a window and there's Jupiter. 
Wow. Partly because of the radiation, but still. Is that okay? <laughs> like, it's just like. I have no interest in going to space. Okay, Sarah. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> I have no problems with space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm anti-space. Yeah. I'm very pro-space. I, I get it. Yeah. Love space. Yeah, I, I didn't see you space. picketing against space. Well, I've considered. Recently. <laughs> I'm not very good with poster boards. You go out and yeah. stand in front of NASA. The I, John Glenn Center. <laughs> I fully trust in God. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt. But but being in space just terrifies me. Yeah. Because I feel like I, every movie I've ever seen, somebody's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go. F- something happens to the ship. Mm. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie myself up to this. This whatever. I'm going to tether myself to something. Of course. I'm going to go out in mm. space. I'm going to fix this ship. Mm. And then something happens. That's right. And something that, does always happen. It right? always happens. And that tether breaks. And they Ooh, are boy. moving at point zero 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 one miles an hour. Just slowly moving away from the ship. Ooh, and that's it. Man. And no one can do anything. Oh, and yeah. then, of course, for some reason, they didn't check their oxygen. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, we only got like 20% left. Yeah. Like I, and then I'm just like, hey, I'm not doing it. Yeah. The good news is I don't think it'll ever come up. Yeah. I, I don't if think I will was either. in space, yeah. If the ship broke, yeah. No one would ever be like, you know what? You know who should fix this? Neil. Neil. <laughs> yeah. Let's call that. He's yeah. not only good with spaceships. Hang, hang stuff, on, guys. He's playing guitar. But <laughs> put the guitar down. We need your help up here on the ISS. <laughs> I, I truly feel like Neil knows how to use a tether. It's good. And nothing yeah. would ever happen. Yeah. Well, you get strap locks. Yeah. That's what they need. Strap locks. I don't think you can you can can't you buy a ticket to space these days? Sure. With SpaceX, maybe? I, think, I don't know. Yeah, Probably. Like I'm sure. But it's still not close enough for you. You want to be able to look out and there's, there's yeah. Jupiter. Yeah. It's like, I want to be able to book a plane ticket and go just look at Jupiter and be back in like six hours. Mm. It's just not the case. So astronaut it is. That's the timer. The timer went off. What about you? We've got like 30 more seconds. 30 seconds. When I was a kid, I would say pre-10 years old, I wanted to be Secret Service. Yeah. I thought that looks like a cool job. Yeah. I would like, you know, the earpiece and I would like to. Oh, totally. I would like to protect. Yep. And that would be, that would be awesome. Yep. But then when I turned 16, that quickly moved to Rockstar. Mm. So here we are. Here you are. (laughs) We better, we better stop. Dude, that's awesome. (laughs) That was a great question. Yeah, really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, space. Yeah, I wanted to be an astronaut, but then I realized you have to be good at math, and I'm like, well. I feel like most of astronauting is not in space. Most of astronauting is not yeah. what you think it no, is. No. It's being really smart and doing a lot of smart stuff that's not my jam. I think you're smart. Well, not not like that, though. Well, you've got me fooled. Then. Oh. <laughs> hey, s- thanks so much great. for listening. <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> Episode four. In the books. Well, thank you. If you've got questions, submit them to podcast singular. We've had some people trying to email podcasts. Yeah. Ain't going to work. Podcast at hopechristianchurch.com or text us at 440-HOPE-222. Oh, that was good. I like All right, that. Thanks, Neil. All right, see you guys. See you guys. Bye.